It's caused dissension, started wars, and divided peoples. Since the start of humanity, we have never known a world without it. Mankind has always felt the need to try and get right with God and turn to religion for the answers. But what if being right with God wasn't about practices and rituals? Join us for this exciting new series as we explore these questions. All right, welcome to Grace Life. How are you guys doing? Yeah, so just a little lighthearted summer series to answer the greatest question mankind has been seeking for thousands of years, right? All right, well, hey, so we have just kicked off a new series about religion. And uh, just to be clear about a couple of things, first of all, the idea is not to promote one religion over another, nor is it to teach on all the differences of the world religions. We actually had one of our leaders play a little joke on somebody. Somebody, when we first talked about doing this series, they said, hi, here we're doing a series on religions. <laughs> said, yeah, Jimmy's going to teach on all the religions of the world, and at the end of the series, you have to pick one. Not the goal at all. Actually, I want to tell you there is a goal for this series, and this goal is very specific, but it's also very individualistic, meaning it's a goal for you, and you have to choose whether or not you are going to do this goal in your own life. So I want to share this with you as I did last week when we kicked off the series, and, and it is this, that we are going to seek out and destroy any religious behavior or practice that is producing death so that we can discover and embrace the gospel of grace that produces life. That's our goal. But every one of us is going to have to do this on our own. We're going to have to look at our own lives and the things that we see in our lives. And so uh, you may be asking yourself at this point, but I thought being religious is a good thing, right? Well, two things i got to say about that. Number one, that was last week. I'm not going to readdress that. Go back and catch part one. Uh, the second thing is no. It's not. Matter of fact, being godly is a good thing. Being religious, not necessarily a good thing. Those two are completely different. Matter of fact, we have discovered over time, and we defined it last week, religion is any system that we build, that mankind builds, to figure out how to trade our best efforts for his acceptance. And there's religions all over the world where you can do this, and he should be happy with that. You do that, he should be happy with this. We trade what we do for his acceptance and that's not really the point at all so what we're going to do for the last three parts of this series is we're going to develop some of the ideas that we introduced last week and we're going to figure out how to confront some things so if you were here for part one the whole idea of part one was to unmask religion if you want to confront someone at a masquerade party you first have to take off the mask you have to know who it is and so last week we unmasked religion so we could see it for what it really is what it's really doing in our lives so that we can actually confront it. So today, let's do that. Let's confront something. And so today, we're going to address this. Great lie of religion is that being good or following the rules is actually the goal. I don't know about you, but I went to church my whole life growing up, and somehow that is the message that was communicated to me. Be good. Follow the rules. Do all of the right things. But we see in the Bible over and over, time and time again, that when Jesus dealt with people, people would come and confront him. He'd confront them back. And he dealt with some of the best rule followers in the world, some of the people who looked the best. They would have said they were good people. And Jesus said, actually, it turns out you guys have completely missed the point. And so last week, as we kind of destroyed this idea of religion and, and trying to figure out how to, to be good and to make everything right with God, somebody, it happens every time, somebody probably went too far with an overreaction. And they went home saying, oh, thank God. 
Okay, so, so religion doesn't help. I don't have to act a certain way. I don't have to do certain things. None of that's ever going to pay off. I can live any way I want. That was not the point. And I think that's where we need to pick up the same story that we were doing last week and see if we can figure out what Jesus was actually after. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark 7 once again, because again, we're picking up right where we left off. So today we're starting at verse 14. And here's what Jesus was saying to the people. He called the people to him again, and he said to them, said to them Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. And so let me just pause and set the stage if you were not here last week. People had come up to him, two groups of people in particular, some religious folks. One of them were Pharisees. And remember, we said they are the best at rule following. And they had with them the scribes, and they were the rule setters and the referees. And these two people came to Jesus and said, look, we don't understand. Your disciples are, are eating, and you are eating without washing your hands. And that means your hands are defiled which means your food becomes defiled. And when you swallow it, you become defiled. And Jesus said, really? No, he didn't say it like that, but that's kind of what he meant. He said, you're missing the point altogether. <clears throat> there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house, he left those people, he left them and went away. His disciples asked him about the parable. And if you can understand where they're coming from, they're a little confused. They said, well, Wait a minute, Jesus, see, until you just said that, we thought we were supposed to follow the, the traditions and the rules. We thought we were supposed to wash our hands. We thought we were supposed to try to be clean and, and to, to, to do these things. I don't really understand what you want from us anymore. Are we supposed to just ignore it all and throw all the, the ideas to the wind? And Jesus says, then you also are without understanding. Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him since keywords it enters not his heart but his stomach and then it's expelled thus he declared all food clean and he said what comes out of a person is what defiles him for from within out of the heart of man keywords for from within out of the heart of man come evil thoughts sexual immorality theft murder Adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. Anybody exempt? He got a pretty good list going there, didn't he? All these evil things come from within and they are what defile a person. You see, Jesus was saying religious, religion missed it. Because here's the idea. Religion focuses on behavior and says what matters most is what's going on outside a person. But the gospel says focus on transformation. What matters most is what's going on inside a person. And the Jews and the religious people, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the scribes, every single one of them had become experts on right and wrong behavior. How to act, how to do exactly the right thing. And Jesus came to confront that. Here's basically the message Jesus had. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. That is what matters. And at this point, I know immediately somebody's going to say, wow, finally, a, a, a pastor giving me permission. All these people have been looking down on me for the way I live. Now I can finally look at them and say, don't judge me for what I'm doing. You don't know my heart. Not quite the point. 
And then there's some teenagers in the room. Come on, teens. Like, this is your favorite verse in the Bible. You didn't even know it existed until this morning. Suddenly, this is your favorite passage. Because now, when your mother or your father come to you and say, I don't like the music you're listening to and the stuff you're watching on TV, you can go, but even Jesus said, it doesn't matter what I listen to and watch, because that stuff outside of me can't possibly defile me. It's only what's inside of me that defiles me. Again, you'd miss the point. It's all about the heart. Can we just deal with what I would like to call this morning the elephant in the room? The elephant in any church room on any given Sunday morning. You see, I, I think there's one there. So here's the real, real truth. Does behavior matter? You're, you're kind of afraid to answer now. I'll help you out. Behavior matters. What we do matters. The choices we make matter. There are rules. God has rules. God set the rules. And he expects us to follow them. There are right things, there are wrong things, period, no questions asked. And many people misunderstand grace. When someone stands up and says, you do realize following the rules isn't the point, suddenly like short-circuiting starts happening inside the head. Wait a minute, but I'm a good Christian. All I know to do is follow the rules. And someone stands up and explains grace to you and says, look, since Jesus died for you, and since you cannot earn your way to heaven, you cannot earn anything before God, and you're forgiven for every rule that you miss, well, then I guess I can live any way I want, right? No, that's not grace. This is the elephant in the room in any church on any Sunday morning that's trying to figure out what, what matters and what doesn't matter. Where do rules fit in? Where do they not fit in? Many people overreact to this idea, and, and they, they think they can do anything they want and live any way they, way they want, and they call it grace. And then pastors stand up and said, as I often say and have said in this series, God loves you, Jesus died for you, there's nothing more you can do. That's the dilemma, right? So as I thought, how in the world can I answer what has been the biggest confusion point probably for Christians for, for millennia? I feel like God gave me a picture of something. And so if you've ever driven a car, you're going to resonate with this. And anybody who hasn't driven a car yet, just follow them home. But not only is it my story that I can share with you, probably everybody who's ever driven a car can share the exact same story of whatever happened to you. And so when I was young, I was 15 years old because in 15, South Carolina thinks it's a good idea to give driver's license to people. Not a good idea, just so you know. And my parents decided to let me drive their Suburban to school every day, which was like this massive torpedo going down the road because I like to drive fast. And so your story may start like this. One day I was driving and I looked down at my phone. My story was like this, because phones didn't exist back then in the car. I was driving down the road and decided to change the radio station. And you all know where we're going with this. The next thing you do is you fill the car, go off the road, you look up, and there are trees and a ditch and maybe even some road signs. And you have a split second to do what they told you in driver's ed. But that's not what's going through your head at that point, right? When they said, slow down, calm down, and don't overcorrect. I never did understand. How can you overcorrect? Isn't it correct fixing something bad? How can you overfix something bad? I mean, that's a good thing. Anyway, I didn't have time to question that. So I did what every single other person did the first time they ran off the road. And I overcorrected because I was going to hit trees and road signs. And instantly, instead of looking at trees and ditches and road signs, I'm now looking at trees and ditches and road signs. So what do you do? But overcorrect again. 
And after constantly going back and forth sideways and doing everything except flipping the Suburban over and rolling down the road, which I think angels were involved because it should have happened. The only grace of God for me at that moment was there was nothing else on the road anywhere around. I had all the permission in the world to go sideways, backwards, circles, everything else. And this is what you do. You come to church and someone says, we're driving down a road, except here's the problem. We're headed towards a ditch. And in this ditch is our death. It's called religion. If you run off the road into this ditch and you start getting all caught up in how you look good and how you pretend to be good and how you follow the rules, it's going to kill you. And we go, thank God, let me overcorrect that. And we end up in a ditch on the other side of the road. And it's got a sign that says, call me freedom, but it's not. It's lies and deception. It's really sin. And we find ourselves in that ditch instead. You see, when you overcorrect, you've missed the point altogether. Of course, the truth is that we need to be on the road. But what we end up doing when we hear messages like this is say, thank God I got set free from religion. Now now I can jump in the ditch on the other side of the road. Not the goal. We don't want to be in the ditch on the other side of the road. We still need to follow the rules that keep us on the road. God set some rules. We have to follow them. Would anybody like to answer the question, why in the world do we have these rules? Anybody besides me? I'm going to answer it, so it would be good if y'all were playing along. Pretend y'all wanted me to answer this. You see, when I read the Bible, I love when the Bible is asking the exact same question I want to know. So the rules, we can also sometimes you've heard referred to as the law. God has a law. And so I'm going to show you this, what I think is a rather confusing passage in Scripture, and and I'm going to do my best to help us make sense of it. It's one of those passages where if you read it, you have to go back and read it about three more times, and you still might have smoke coming out of your ears trying to make sense of it all. And I've left out a few of the sentences to try and condense the main points. And here's where it starts. So why then the law? That's a good place to start, isn't it? Rules. Why rules? Why do we have to have rules? Well, the law was added because of transgressions. And so then the law was our guardian. That's the key word. The law was our guardian until Christ came. And I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child... He's no different from a slave or a servant, though he owns everything. But he's under guardians until the date set by his father. Let me give you an analogy to make sense out of that. I'm a father. I have four kids. Three of them are pretty young, pretty sloppy, and haven't figured out life yet. On the other hand, I'm kind of OCD. Actually, my wife chuckled in the last service when I said kind of, and I had to correct that. I'm very OCD. I'm one of those people who actually thinks that you should be able to walk through your kitchen with your eyes closed and not step in spaghetti or ravioli or a puddle of Kool-Aid or anything else. I mean, is anybody with me on this one, right? That you should be able to open the refrigerator with your eyes closed and pull out ketchup. Okay, we don't even have to go that extreme this morning. Just let's keep the ravioli off the walls and I'll be happy. Here's the problem. My children transgress. And you know why? Because they're, they're kids. They're young. And they think it's funny to throw ravioli at each other and watch it stick to the walls. They have no concept yet of my nature. And so until they get some concept of my nature, until their nature becomes my nature, they need some rules. Don't throw ravioli on the walls. Don't throw ravioli on the floor. Clean after yourselves. I know this sounds silly, but it's it's, it's the whole point. Because they don't get it yet. 
They don't know what it's like to live in a house that's infested with mice and roaches and everything else coming to eat ravioli off the walls, right? They don't know what it's like to turn on the light in the middle of the night and see roaches scurry everywhere. And so I want to help them until they understand in here they need a guardian. The guardian is ravioli is on the plate or in your mouth. That's where it belongs. Nowhere else. And someday they're going to grow up to appreciate that there are no mice and roaches and everything else crawling the walls looking for ravioli. They're going to feel what it's like to live in a nice clean house when they understand my nature. And then they're going to go to someone else's house that maybe doesn't have the same nature and they might be repulsed by it. Once you get God's nature and you try to go and play with something else, you will be repulsed by it. The problem is we're not naturally repulsed by sin. We're not naturally against it. Matter of fact, we're not naturally for God's ways. And God says, until your heart becomes like mine, you need a guardian. Until you understand what it feels like to live in a clean house, I'm just going to give you rules on keeping it clean. The rules aren't to get us into heaven. The rules aren't to earn our way. The rules are to protect us and make us more like him. That's the whole point. Psalm 119, I love this. I will praise you with an upright heart when, when I learn your righteous rules. I will praise you with an upright heart after I figure out who you are and how you work. I'm not going to praise you yet. You don't make any sense to me. I don't get it. I don't understand anything. But if you will just keep me on the road and out of the ditch, eventually I'm going to end up at your feet bowing before you. I just need to understand you first. I will praise you when I learn, when I understand your rules. I mean, that's pretty clear, isn't it? It turns out the point of God's rules is not to play a game of religion to see which one of us can follow the rules the best and get patted on the back on Sunday morning. No, the point of God's rules is to shape our hearts into becoming more like him. That's the point. This is why Jesus taught this verse. He was teaching on money, actually, but he was teaching a much bigger concept. And it's, it's a verse you've heard before, probably. But I bet I could say it backwards, and most people wouldn't notice that it's backwards. It's a very famous verse that goes like this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But most people don't realize if you were to stand up and say, for where your heart is, there your treasure will be, because that sounds good. And we think that's how that works. Whatever you love, you will pursue it with everything, and your treasure will end up over there. But it doesn't work that way. You see, our hearts follow our actions. That's why we are such an addictive human race. That's why you can just kind of dip your toe in something and go, huh, I think I like that. Next thing you know, your heart starts chasing it and your heart gets locked into it. Jesus said, look, your heart is never going to want to give because your heart likes you and your heart likes you having stuff. So just do it. Put your treasure over there. Eventually, your heart will catch up. Just give. Eventually, you will see the look on someone's face when you do something for them they could never do for themselves. And you're going to feel, oh, I felt good. Wait a minute. I just, I just gave something of mine 
to be generous and bless a person, it feels kind of like God. It feels kind of godly. That felt good. And then your heart will begin to follow. I talk to people all the time that have this so backwards. I talk to men who are trying to break a porn habit or a, a struggle or something that they have going on there, and they're saying, look, I, I don't, I mean, I just can't stop. I want to do it, and I, I wish I didn't want to do it, but my, I, I just want to. I, I wish I felt close to my spouse and close to God, and then I wouldn't do that backwards. And my answer You've got to stop. Then you'll begin to feel close to your spouse and close to God. Your heart will follow what you do. I realize there's a whole other message in how to stop. That's a complicated issue. However, the stopping has to come first. If you're waiting to feel like you want to quit, it isn't going to happen. How about this one? One of the greatest issues we have as Christians that we mess up more than anything else. How about forgiveness? Everybody I talk to, I mean, has anybody ever not been hurt? Right? And we struggle to forgive. And we think to ourselves, I'm working on forgiving. And when I don't feel like I want to kill you, I will finally forgive you. Backwards. No, it goes the other way. You choose to forgive and your heart will follow. It goes like this. You know what? You offended me. I want, I want to kill you. But I offended Jesus. And he didn't kill me. And I never even said I was sorry. Matter of fact, he died 2,000 years before I could even say I was sorry. So who am I to hold you accountable? How can I prosecute you when I've been cleared of the worst guilt? So I choose, not I feel, I choose to forgive you. And you know what? Eventually, your heart will follow. Eventually, you will feel like setting them free. Our hearts follow what we do. And that's why we have God's rules to protect us until our hearts actually want to do it on their own. My kids will eventually clean the kitchen without me telling them. I anticipate I've got more than a decade before I see that. We don't follow God's rules to show we are godly. We follow God's rules to become godly. What you do matters. Which rules you follow, which rules you don't follow matters. How you live, it matters. No, not because of what you earn. That's not the point. But because of what it reveals about the transformation inside. When God says, I'd like for you to do this, and you say, I don't really care, tells you there's something in here not transformed. It reveals your heart. So, the goal of this series is to seek out and destroy the religion that is killing you. Anybody ready to do that? If you want to kill the religion, here's the answer. Confront your heart. Religion is in one ditch. A lie of deceptive freedom called sin is in the other ditch. The middle of the road is your heart. You've got to confront it. You've got to deal with what's going on in here. Because everything else is just religion when you're playing a game. And I want to suggest to you something that I've observed in all of my time of working with people. And not a single person in the room is going to want to hear it and probably not agree with me. So, 
Did everybody leave their sharp projectiles at home? Here's what I've noticed. We prefer religion. Every one of us. And I know some of you are going, uh, not me, Jimmy. Just follow me. You see, there are those of you that are like me. You are really good at rule following. I was the straight A kid growing up. I was the nerd. I was the one that had to be on time. If there was a rule, I followed it. Or if I broke it, no one knew about it. I was really good at knowing which ones I could hide too, right? I was really good at looking good even if I wasn't good, but oh, did I look good. I could follow any rule. I win most any game I play. It's just still who I am because give me a set of rules, I will max them out. I will beat you at following any rules. Is that who I am? He doesn't like playing games with me because it's a set of rules. You just tell me the rules. I'm going to figure this thing out. I follow the rules better than anybody. We love religion. You just tell me where to be, when to be there, how to be there, what to look like, what T-shirt to wear, what team to serve on, how much money to give. I will follow the rules. I will feel so good. And it gives all of us an opportunity. We prefer religion because we can check every box, follow every rule without actually having to embrace God. And some of you are saying, I am nothing like you, Jimmy. Exactly. You prefer religion too. Because you don't check rules anybody you don't check boxes you don't follow rules you don't you don't care matter of fact you think rules exist to be broken somebody tells you when to be there and how to dress you're going to show up 10 minutes late naked you you aren't going to do anything the way it's supposed to be done you don't want to conform to anything for any reason in any way whatsoever and i would say because you would say you hate religion because it's a bunch of rules you have to follow say no 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 you actually prefer religion too because it allows you to reject the rules and to reject checking the boxes without having to admit you are rejecting God. It doesn't matter if you're following the rules or rejecting the rules. Neither one of them has anything to do with God. It's all about you and me and playing a game. We prefer religion because we never have to look inside and question what's going on. You can reject your rules and think that you're just an independent lone ranger. You can follow the rules and think you're the best kid on the earth and neither one of us has to look in here and say, God, what's going on? We're deceived. We prefer religion. Don't believe me? Let's take a little test. Sounds like fun? Here we go. Would you say that you go to church rarely or often? Matter of fact, would you even say you go to church quite often? Maybe regularly. Now, normally when we take a test in church, that's the correct answer, but I'm going to go ahead and let you know that answer is going to get you into trouble on this one. How about this? Do you try to follow God's rules? Do you try to be a pretty good person? Once again, that would be a good answer normally, but today that's going to get you into trouble. And here's the reason. If you would say that you go to church fairly often and you try to follow God's rules and you try to be a good person, then answer this one question for me. What are you currently working on in your heart? And the religion meters just went up all across the room as you couldn't answer that question. What are you currently working to eradicate in your heart? What has God been speaking to you about? What is the issue that's going on in here? You see, we're real good at showing up in here. And if you're in here 40, 45, 50 times a year, 
but you can't answer what God's doing in here, then welcome to religion. You know how we can make an x-ray of someone of their bones and we could put that up on the screen and none of us would be embarrassed because everybody's got bones? Let me ask you this question. What if we somehow, there was an invention, it doesn't exist, everybody, praise God. But what if there was an invention where we could actually do an x-ray of the condition of your heart and we could see all that's in there and we could put that up on the screen? Who would, who would be willing to reveal your heart to the entire room today? Me neither. So, since we all agreed none of us wants to show the entire world what's going on in here, are you actively working to deal with this as much as you are actively working to show up and look good? Am I hurting you yet? I'm hurting me too. You see, I think we all want to do the right things. I think we all want to go to church. We all want to serve. We all want to give. We all want to look good to everybody else. We want to look good to ourselves. We want to do the right things. But inside, maybe on the first row, maybe on the third row, maybe some of us are struggling with an addiction. It's a self-control issue. Maybe it's a lust issue. Maybe it's an immorality issue. And you know it's there, but again, are you doing anything about it? Maybe your issue is an unfaithfulness in a marriage issue. Maybe some of you are tempted. Maybe some of you have already crossed the line and temptation is no longer the word, but it's turned into an action. But you look good on Sunday mornings. Others of us were dealing with greed, selfishness, dishonesty, hatred, Anger, pride, you could do this list all day. But we look good as we show up every week. What are you doing about that thing? What are we doing about what's going on in here? I want to share this passage with you. God sent one of his priests and prophets to go and anoint someone as king. And he said, before you go, let me give you some very careful instructions. Because you will go looking for a good king and you don't know what to look for. Here's what he said. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. You know what you thought was cool? You looked around the room during worship and you thought, oh, over there is a godly person. Uh-uh. God doesn't look at the things people look at. For people look at outward appearance. But God... The Lord looks at the heart. We come into the room and we think, well, if we had to like stand in line, y'all remember when you were a kid and you had to stand in line for a picture like shortest to tallest? Y'all can always know where I was, but anyway. What if we were going to make everybody in here stand in the line from godliest to least? And you'd probably already start to go, okay, well, I guess the pastor, he's going to get the front of the line. Well, we certainly hope so. You know, well, the worship pastor, he gets number two, I hope. You know, maybe a couple other people, you know, I guess I'd be way down there. What if? What if that line goes in a completely different order from what you think? Because you think it's about what you watch people do. And it's really about what's going on in here. But if you're not confused yet, then let me remind you that what you do comes out of what's in here. So then again, man, this is hard, isn't it? It is hard to figure out 
ditch of religion and a ditch of deceptive freedom called sin. How in the world do you stay on the road? That's tough. Because what you do doesn't matter, except what you do matters greatly. See, we can look holy or we can become holy. That is the difference between religion and the gospel of grace. You want to kill your religion? Confront your heart. Out of your heart will show who you've become. I want to finish by talking to a group of people that need to know if you do want to become holy, there's a very important first step. As I've tried to say all throughout today and many times over, you don't get yourself to heaven. It's not what you do, it's what he's already done. So the first step of becoming holy is allowing him to deal with all of the unholiness, recognizing that Jesus died for you. And unfortunately, some of us know that that's truth. We believe Jesus died for humanity and he died for sins, but we don't understand that it's something every single one of us as an individual has to deal with at some point. You see, when, when it's time for you to go and, and be right with God, you don't get in because you snuck into a crowd. It's every single individual. And so at some point in time, every one of us has to individually look down the corridors of time and see Jesus hanging on the cross and say, because you died for me, I want to live for you. And if you've never done that, I want to help you begin that conversation here this morning. The good news is you don't have to stand up or do anything weird or come down front. Because this is not between you and us, it is between you and him. So we want to help you begin that conversation. Would you all join me and pray? Say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. That you paid a price that I deserve to pay for all of the unholiness in my life. I thank you for your love, your mercy, and your forgiveness. In my simple prayer in this place today, is that you would give me a life of great meaning and great purpose in your kingdom. Amen. Let's celebrate with those people. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Grace Life Me and on Twitter at Grace Life Church. Oh,